0: A podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everyone, before we get into the wrestling talk, I want to thank our sponsors for this episode. That, is, of course, is Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and a lot more. I've just started using Podcorn myself, and I'm telling you, it is really user-friendly and a great way for you guys to get the podcast support that you really need as far as advertisers. So it's really awesome to get these sponsorship chances. And with Podcorn, there's no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform set their own rates and even collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities and you never give any rights up to your podcast either and podcorn is there to support you at every step and ensure that you are protected and compensated for the work that you do for the brands the marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency creative freedom and full control of how and when we monetize so make sure you guys click the link in my show notes head over to podcorn.com to sign up and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today What's going on, everybody? It's yours truly, K.O.K. A.K.O.K.Fame here on this week's edition of the Random Wrestling Podcast. We've got a packed show for you. We have a lot of things to go over. NWA hard times, we've got NXT Worlds Collide, the Royal Rumble, we've of course got Raw, NWA Power, NXT, AEW Continuing to Revolution, and a little special treat for you all. I had a chance to sit down with the awesome newest member of the MLW team, Alicia Toot, the interview queen herself, and we'll see what she has to say about her interviewing process and... Her experiences in pro wrestling. All this and maybe some other stuff too on this week's edition of the Random Wrestling Podcast. This is Dalton Castle. Hello everyone, this is Bill Amter. This is Christopher Daniels. Hello, yes, this is Dan Housen saying to watch the Random Wrestling Podcast with OK Fabe. OK Fabe. Because you're listening to the Random Wrestling Podcast with OK Fabe. We're sure about that name, right? Yeah, I'm listening to OK Fabe. The host with the most on Fight TV, Fight housing. Watch it. No swearing on the podcast. And now, OK Fabe presents the Random Wrestling Podcast. I have been waiting a long time to say these words.
1: And I'm going to say I'm right here, right now, tonight. Your number
0: one source for all pro wrestling talk with a comedy twist. Where the hell did Randy Orton come from? He snapped a metal punching in half. Hey. In the middle of the Miz. How you doing, man? Yeah, good to see you. All right,
1: yeah. You wear your little thing. You're looking like a blind nun. All right. Hey, do me a favor. Park the rock truck.
0: What's going on, everybody? It's yours truly, Connor, A.K. O.K. Fabe here. Welcome, everyone, to episode 110. Yeah, can't believe there's been 110 of these things of the Random Wrestling Podcast. Of course, right here on Fight TV. Appreciate you guys so much for tuning in, wherever you guys are watching and or listening to us from. Of course, we're also available on all major podcasting platforms. We're on Apple, we're on Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and so many others. So make sure you guys, if you get a chance to check out the shows there, make sure you give us an awesome five. Star match rating as we are trying to grow the podcasting platform, too. But thank you so much for tuning in, and trust me, this is a jam packed one. You know, I say every single week or almost every single week how <sighs> it feels like there's never a dull moment in wrestling, there really isn't. There's so much going on, and I mean that in the best way possible. There's so much going on in the world of pro wrestling that there's just no lull time. There's no downtime for whatsoever. And this week was certainly no exception. And not only do we have some great coverage to talk to you guys about today, but also I had a chance to sit down with the wonderful, the amazing Alicia Toot, the newest member of the MLW team, and also the interview queen, because she's been doing so many great interviews. So we'll make sure to tune in towards the end of the show as we had a chance to sit down with her, and it was a great time to catch up with her. But let's talk some pro wrestling first. And this weekend was certainly stacked. Now, normally, at this point in time, I usually talk about SmackDown, or at least the previous week's SmackDown, but there was another show that happened on Friday, you may have heard about it, N.W.A. Hard Times. I want to talk about this pay-per-view first because, let me tell you something, this pay-per-view was fantastic. Now, obviously, if you guys have watched or listened or even followed me on social media, you'll know that I am a big fan of the National Wrestling Alliance, and they've done a lot of things and made a lot of strides in their presentation the the character growth making you invested into the company and this was no exception and I will go on record in my opinion by saying that the hard times pay-per-view that the NWA has produced is the best one they have done thus far we've got more in the coming in the future which we'll talk about But this one was absolutely my favorite that they've made so far. Not to discredit the ones they've done in the past. I enjoyed Into the Fire, Crockett Cup 2019. But I'm telling you, Hard Times is one I would certainly recommend you check out if you want some great, amazing wrestling action. This one, of course, had the entire TV title tournament in its encapsulation. We were building to this where the finals, we had Ricky Starks taking on Trevor Murdoch. And man... I was hopeful. I had my fingers crossed that Trevor Murdoch was going to make it all the way, and I was actually very happy to see Trevor in the finals. But with with gusto and determination, Ricky Starks was able to overthrow and overcome, thus becoming the new NWA television champion under the new NWA regime, and much hats and credit off to Ricky Starks for that victory. And we'll talk more about Ricky Starks and the very... Uh, interesting scenario when it comes to the TV title when we talk about NWA Power a little bit while. But I'm telling you, the ride there was a treat. Unfortunately, Ken Anderson wasn't able to make it. Uh, He was not medically cleared to compete. But if you want to watch the entirety of the tournament, some of the, honestly, the matches kept getting better as as the tournament progressed. If you want to watch that, go check out the replay over on Fight, and trust me, it is well worth it. But that wasn't the only action we saw. We saw the continuation of the escalation of the rivalry between Marty Skrull and Nick Aldis. Now, of course, it was announced beforehand that Nick Aldis would be taking on Flip Gordon from ROH in one-on-one action however there seemed to be some more tension brewing between marty Skrull and nick aldis and so all actually decided to throw down a very interesting challenge after marty Skrull said well you know nick you're a champion you're a fighting champion you're the one who you know why aren't you putting the title on you're not even defending the nwa title against flip gordon and all says okay fine i'll give flip gordon a shot at the championship unless he doesn't win in which case I'm going to now call the shots as far as anything that involves you and me going forward. And I'll tell you right now, outside the TV title tournament, Nick Aldis and Flip Gordon put on a fantastic performance. Yes, they did fight previously and had a match for the 10 pounds of gold back in 2008. But I'm telling you right now, it's a completely different Flip Gordon in a completely different scenario. And I'm telling you, this was my favorite match of the evening. Great psychology, amazing action, athleticism like you won't believe, and really, truly showcased to me how far along Flip Gordon has changed since the last time they've encountered. It is an an amazing matchup, one that just makes NWA hard times that more important for you to make sure you catch the replay over on Fights. Now, we, of course, had other championships on the line at NWA Hard Times. And guess what? We also got to ourselves some new champions. Yes, we have new NWA World Tag Team Champions in Eli Drake teaming up with James Storm as they had a successful victory defeating the then-champions of the Rock and Roll Express and, of course, the Wild Cards. And this was a crazy triple-threat tag team action match. But uh, surprisingly, it wasn't meant to be for the Hall of Famers as the Rock and Roll Express ultimately did drop uh, drop the championships to Eli Drake and James Storm. But still, makes things interesting about what the future could hold for the tag team division. I don't think Rock and Roll is going anywhere, and I don't think the wild cards are either. I think Drake and Storm having the tag team titles as odd of a pairing as they are, and usually I'm not a big fan of rando tag teams being thrown together, there's something about the charisma of the two of them working together, especially the post-promo afterwards, that makes me go, this could be a very entertaining run when it comes to the tag team division. Uh, But that wasn't the only title change that happened, folks. No, we've got ourselves a new NWA World Women's Champion. Dando Rosa, one of the most popular women, arguably in the NWA right now, had captured the NWA World Women's Championship at hard times, defeating Allison Kaye in a very stiff matchup between the women, really showcasing once again how far along uh, the other divisions and the other championships have gone in the National Wrestling Alliance. A lot of people were rooting for Thunder Rosa, yours truly included, not to take anything away from Allison Kay, But again, probably the best women's matchup that we've seen thus far uh, in the National Wrestling Alliance under this new regime. Very happy, excited for that. Thunder Rosa, of course, getting a pretty big ovation, and rightfully so. Congratulations to Thunder Rosa for winning the new women's championship. However, there was at least two successful championship defenses. Of course, we talked about Nick Aldis earlier, but Aaron Stevens, the third-degree national champion, of course, did successfully defend the championship against Scott Steiner. This was more of a, I don't want to say comedic match, but it did certainly have a lot of comedic overtones to it. Not that I'm certainly complaining, but this one was definitely eh, different compared to the other championship matches. And although, technically speaking, Scott Steiner did win by disqualification, Stevens was able to hold on to the national championship, But unfortunately, Mr. Question Mark did receive the brunt end of the force of Mr. Big Papa Pump uh, in a camel clutch, which uh, really didn't, uh, or excuse me, the Steiner Recliner. Excuse me. I got to remember to call these things by their right names. But either way, hard times was still a treat in and of itself. But that's not the only event that NWA has got going on in 2020. Oh, no, mon frere. Uh Uh-uh. We're not done by a long shot. They did announce at hard times that, yes, the Crockett Cup would be returning. Those of you who don't know what the Crockett Cup is, it is a legendary tournament that took place in the heyday of the NWA, basically referred to as the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup, shortened down to, of course, the Crockett Cup. It is a tag team tournament that we did see return to the NWA last year. The likes of Sting, Lex Luger, the Road Warriors, and even Dusty Rhodes and the Nikita Kouf have won this coveted cup. And it's only curious to see which teams will go on to win the 2020 Crockett Cup in April, and yours truly is certainly looking forward to the Crockett Cup, but make sure you guys order NWA Hard Times, get the replay, and watch some of the amazing action that the National Wrestling Alliance has to offer. But that wasn't the only pay-per-view. We had three of these suckers over the entire weekend. The next one, of course, switching gears to the NXT brand, NXT Worlds Collide. Now, this one was an intriguing pay-per-view because the general concept was to pit the NXT brand against the NXT UK brand. Now, granted, NXT UK just had Blackpool 2 TakeOver not too long ago, and I was kind of leery about them kind of... Maybe this is just my opinion based off of the way it was built. A lot of it was seemingly thrown together. True, we have NXT TakeOver Portland coming up in February, but the idea of uh, of this pay-per-view seemed, at least generally, in my opinion... A little bit of like a, a gimmicky show to kind of just throw and showcase these, you know, the, the brands together. However, I will argue that this was one of the best takeovers I've ever seen. Granted, it wasn't called takeover, but I mean, it pretty much was. Worlds Collide, I think, did an immaculate job of doing what I was hoping it was going to do, and that was showcase the NXT UK talent. And that's exactly what It did. It did an amazing job of making sure that, you know, the NXT brand and the NXT brand uh, wrestlers did compete and were able to show off their skills and and dominance. But more importantly, showcase that the NXT UK brand is a force to be reckoned with, and they certainly did. From the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas, Worlds Collide took place, and it was an awesome showcase of the UK talent. Of course, right off the bat, we have a new Cruiserweight Champion, and before we even get into that matchup itself... They introduced the new version of what is now the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, getting rid of the entire purple scheme and getting the NXT logo embroidered into the middle of the belt with some purple lining in the little to kind of give, I guess, a little homage to the previous championship. I'm telling you right now, I love the design of the championship. Again, it's generally the same thing. It's just... Black instead of purple, but there are four purple lines in the middle with the NXT logo now instead of the WWE in the center plate, but either way, still love that Angel Garza awarded this new championship before his championship defense. In a absolutely crazy Fatal 4-Way match that featured, of course, Jordan Devlin, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and, of course, uh, Travis Banks. Insane Cruiserweight matchup that, surprisingly, Jordan Devlin got the victory here. The protege of Finn Balor getting the chance to hold the Cruiserweight Championship and bring it back to the UK brand. And, again, this just really emphasizes the importance, to me, of why it's important for them to, to have brought the Cruiserweight division into NXT no disrespect to 205 live i think it was a great platform for cruiserweights but i think integrating it with these other two brands was probably one of the smartest moves they did in terms of re-elevating the uh, value of the cruiserweight championship i think even better being able to jump back and forth between the nxt american and the uk brand is even better because now you have a chance to really showcase uh, cruiserweights on a higher platform, on arguably two of the hottest brands that WWE has going on right now. So, congratulations to Jordan Devlin. I mean, insane cruiserweight match. You guys know me. I love me my cruiserweight matches, and this one was insane. Go check out the replay, of course, over on the network. We did have the NXT Women's Championship defended as Rhea Ripley did a successful title defense against Tony Storm, but of course. The bigger question or the bigger story was the re-changing of the name of the championship. And go figure, this broke literally last week as I was recording last week's episode. I literally finished this episode and was in post-production and editing. And go figure, go figure, go figure, the news breaks. So for those of you who missed WWE Backstage a week ago... Becky Lynch had made a comment about how she wished they could get rid of the word women's and just have everything be kind of an open fair game. Now, whether or not that was in relation to what actually happened here, NXT's women's championship went underneath a name change, in which case now it is just referred to as the NXT championship. So the word women's is completely eliminated. Now, I'm all for equality, and I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, so bear with me on this. I'm all for equality. I'm all for the women getting equal opportunity. I'm all for them getting a chance to showcase and spotlight themselves and try to be as equal to the men as humanly possible. And you can't argue that the strides that women have made in the last three or four years have not been huge. Getting rid of the Divas Championship, main eventing WrestleMania, pretty much having every women's match or having a a match for women that have had in the men, Hell in a Cell, Money in the Bank, Elimination Chamber, Royal Rumble, We've had pretty much almost every major men's stipulation match happen on the women's side. There might be some few exceptions, but you get the idea. I understand the bigger picture of why this is a a big deal and why they were looking to do this, because they want to have the equality going. I'm all in favor of that. However, I think changing the name of the championship is kind of a moot point. And I feel like, and again, this is just my candid opinion speaking here. You can only go so far as far as really, you know, mixing things up and really kind of showcasing the the spotlight of women. I argue that having the women having their own division and showcasing and spotlighting themselves the way they have been the last four years is probably better than just abandoning the name women's in their championship there's no shame in being a women's champion. In fact, I argue that there's more pride in being a women's champion, especially considering that there was a Divas Butterfly Championship that was around for at least, what, almost a decade? So listen, I'm just saying that was probably a better call. Unless the, the overall plan is to eventually integrate it where women and men are fighting in intergender matches, then I feel like there's no point in getting rid of the word women's in your championship. And again, I'm all in favor of the women having main event of WrestleMania. I was very happy and stoked. I was glad the women's got a women's Royal Rumble. I was glad they got a Hell in a Cell. I'm glad they got all those type of matches and those opportunities. I loved it. I thought it was great and they killed it most of the time. There were some bumps here and there, but for the most part, the women were putting on, sometimes they were putting on the matches of the night. And so I'm all in favor of that. But I think getting rid of the name women's is kind of just, it's a bit pointless. I get the bigger picture of why they're looking to do it, but for me personally, I just I don't think I don't think it's necessary. But we'll see how it goes. Maybe they're just experimenting with an NXT, but we'll see how things play out. Um, of course we had DIY in an epic tag team match against Mustache Mountain. What an incredible tag team match. No, you know, no disrespect to the other tag teams in NXT or UK, but wow, what a matchup that was. And that was just an absolute treat to see the reuniting DIY. But I'm telling you, I'm going to say this right here, right now. The best match of the night for me was definitely the main event. Imperium against the Undisputed Era in an eight-man tag. Now, I said this on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, I, I usually try to tweet during as many of the shows as I can. But I said this on Twitter that Imperium versus the Undisputed Era is arguably the best eight-man tag team match I have seen in a long time. Now, we... Wrestling fans tend to get desensitized to like six-man and eight-man tags because, especially on like Raw and SmackDown, we see it so frequently. It happens so much that it kind of becomes numb to it in terms of like what we're seeing and experiencing. Now, there were so many different things about this that I love. I love the fact that, well, I didn't say love, but I loved how Imperium had to make the battle back after losing Alexander Wolfe, who did legitimately get concussed during the match and as far as I can tell, he's, he's doing okay now. haven't heard any updates on his progress, but hopefully Alexander Wolf recovers pretty quickly. But we, he was knocked out relatively early in the match, so he had down to a three-on-four scenario. I love the idea that Walter was this imposing monster that you had to keep protected for a while until the very end, in which case he just ran roughshod over everybody. I think Marcel, um, Marcel Barthel, and uh, Fabian Eichner did an incredible performance of showcasing why they are a force to be recurrent and they're just not walters hitmen same with alexander wolf and they showcased how good they are as a team i sort of knew how good they were as a team in nxt but this match to me showcased them that much more there was great teamwork with undisputed era showcasing why their their team mentality has worked for so long There was just great moments, great action, suspense, psychology, there were no titles on the line, it was just pride. So realistically, you didn't know who was going to win this one. But at the end of the day, UK came out on top on this one and Imperium getting the victory here was awesome. And I mentioned at the beginning of this review about Worlds Collide how it was a great showcasing of the UK talent, and while most of the cases, if you really were looking at the matches, UK only won two, and the NXT U.S. brand only you know won majority. But the, the the lasting image of Walter standing shoulder to shoulder with his Imperium teammates, defeating the most dominating faction in NXT history, is the right move. That was the right move to make. That was the right call to do, and I loved every moment of it. Worlds Collide was a was a pay per view that I went into with not really i wasn't saying i wasn't excited i knew they were going to do a great show but i was more blown away by the main event and really just the the, the elevated quality of standards i went into it as, a, as an idea of like okay this will be a cute concept of nxt versus uk and now i hope they do it every year i hope every year we get to see a worlds collide in january so we can showcase the bo- best of both brands because it was an absolute treat but that's just me Maybe you guys have something different. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So make sure you hit me up on the website, okfave.com, social media, and wherever you guys love to interact with me. Or you can hit me up on the Gmail. Carrier pigeon. I still got to train those carrier pigeons, though. They don't want to come back to me. They, uh, every time they see a piece of bread, it's forget it. They're, I'm never going to get that message back. But... Let's talk about the other major pay-per-view that took place on Sunday. We're, of course, talking the 33rd annual Royal Rumble from the Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. Houston taking over for Royal Rumble weekend, and the Rumble was certainly one that invoked so much emotion. Now, if you guys missed it, I did do a live live recap right after the pay-per-view, which I will be doing with every major pay-per-view going forward. So make sure you hit up me up on the YouTube channel on YouTube.com slash OKFaber because, well, you want to catch me live, that's a great way to do so. But the pay-per-view itself definitely had mixed reactions. I don't want to say it was necessarily a bad pay-per-view, but certainly had a lot of things going into it with uh, high expectations, questions. Of course, we're starting the road to WrestleMania but there's a lot of things to go over and dissect with this. Of course, let's talk about the pre-show matches real quick. Sheamus defeating Shorty G in singles action, and Andrade Cien Almas defeating Humberto Carrillo in the uh, U.S. title match in the pre-show. Both okay matches. Not really too surprised by the results on that one. Humberto just getting the U.S. title shot after Andrade retained it after last week's ladder match on Raw, and Sheamus, again, as I mentioned on last week's show, the new pet project on SmackDown. So real no surprise that they were going to go in that direction. But the main show itself actually started off with Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin, King Corbin, in a False Count Anywhere match. Now, there's a couple things to take note about this. Uh, first and foremost, th- I mean, the False Count Anywhere was an okay match. It wasn't anything too wild or crazy. Yes, they did brawl out to the crowd, and yes, as I adjust my microphone here, and yes, they did have uh, the porta potty stunt going through tables. Usos, Rude, and Ziggles got involved. Awesome time. Was it an epic false count anywhere? No. Was it a boring one? Not to say the least either. It was very middle of the road for me. Uh, the part that just confused me the most was Reigns getting the victory. Uh, and I mentioned to you guys before, maybe on the previous episode, I can't recall, but Reigns was one of my picks for, to win the men's rumble. And my, my thing was, if you're going to make Corbin look like a poseable threat, if you're going to make Corbin... A dominating heel on SmackDown which let's face it they need heels right now on SmackDown they really do I mean you have the Fiend and that's pretty much it Corbin needs this victory and what a better way to do it especially if Corbin's gonna end up losing the Rumble anyway I don't I I don't think anyone I talked to legitimately saw Baron Corbin as possibly winning the men's Royal Rumble and he didn't but th- the point is not to say Reigns needed this victory per se but Considering the rumors going around about where Reigns might be headed after Rumble season, we'll see how that plays out on SmackDown next couple of weeks, but I just wish Corbin kind of got the victory, because I feel like even though he did win King of the Ring and kind of rechanged his whole persona, even considering what happened in the main event, I think Reigns, or Corbin, excuse me, should have gotten the victory over on that one, but maybe that's just my opinion. Now, in an interesting twist, the Women's Rumble was actually the next matchup on the card, and I was actually kind of perplexed at this because As we talked about before, the Women's Rumble only had like seven women that were announced for the match. We didn't know a majority of the women who were in there, which you could look at as a good or a bad thing, right? And considering we had two Women's Championship matches following this, I figured that they would have the Women's Championship matches first, and the losers of those matches would be entered in the Rumble. Not the first time that's happened. Probably won't be the last. I mean, heck, even we mentioned just a moment ago, Reigns and Corbin were both in the Men's Rumble later on. But the Women's Rumble really didn't do a whole lot for me. And it's not that there weren't fun, exciting moments in there. I was, I was personally happy to see Shayna Baszler in there. Uh, I did like to see the return of Molly Holly, Kelly Kelly, Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix, who was a trooper in that match, by the way. She busted open her head, and uh, we thought it was hair dye. But nope, that was actually blood. And she competed in the majority of the match that way. Um, But there were some questions and controversy over the idea of of Santina Morella. Yeah, you heard me right. Entering at number 29 was Santina Morella. Now, interestingly, I, I did run a poll about this on Twitter, and if you haven't checked it out, please do. I like to run polls, and I love hearing your guys' feedback on this. And, of course, I'd love to hear your feedback on this now, too. But the the part that was very interesting to me over the course of the the 24 hours following the Rumble were two things. One was the return of a very big superstar, which we'll talk about when we get to the Men's Rumble. But the other was the polarizing idea of Santina in the Women's Rumble match. I think that that was not a smart move to do. The only reason why is, and, and again, these are just my opinions, my completely opinion on this one, you guys can feel free, to, feel free to agree, is considering the rumblings we've heard about the rumble at that time. And, and let me explain by this. The rumor was that there were several women backstage who were cleared to compete. And again, I have to completely stress the word rumor, right? The rumor was that Nia Jax and Rhea Ripley were both backstage and could have competed in the Women's Rumble, which honestly, I would have much rather preferred over Santina Morella. People were wondering why Sasha Banks wasn't involved in the Rumble. She apparently was not clear to compete, so that makes sense. But Santina could be very easily misinterpreted as a mockery of the women's division. I mean, let's face it, when people think about Santina Morella, they think about her winning the Miss WrestleMania contest battle royal from Wrestlemania 25 and that is kind of a bit of a jerk move when we were just mentioning the strides that women had made earlier about you know from 2016 to now getting rid of the divas championship the, the strides that women have made and, and had sometimes better matches than the men so it's it's kind of a, a fine line if they were strapped and had no one else to compete in the women's rumble or they wanted to do a comedic spot I can sort of understand both of those scenarios and interjecting Santina maybe early on or having her, like, uh, or him, make her way down and then get taken out by someone. I would have been fine if Santina, like, made her way down and then Nia Jax made a return and took her out. Like, no, this is my house, and then or Rhea Ripley or whoever, and then making her way down. I would have preferred that. And granted, Santina wasn't in there long, eliminated herself, fine, whatever have you. But just... I think it wasn't the most well-thought-out idea. Now, again, people, I, when I ran the Twitter poll, it was very interesting to see the polarizing differences because some people loved the idea that that was hilarious. The others, not so much. And I, again, I'm not saying that I hated the idea. I just think that it was a very bad judgment call. Uh, again, time and place. Five years ago actually, not even more than that, maybe six or seven years ago, it had a different impact and significance. I mean, heck, 25th anniversary of WrestleMania was well, 10 years ago. Times have changed. So just saying, maybe not the greatest idea. And again, if they, if they had her like, going towards the ring and then get taken out, that's one thing. Because you're, it, if anything, that's probably a perfect representation of, nope, we're getting away from this old crap and moving into general women's wrestling. But other than that, not a good call. Not a good call at all, but let's get away from that let's talk about Charlotte. Charlotte actually ended up winning the Women's Rumble, which surprised a lot of people, and unfortunately also had some eye-rollings. Now, as of this recording, Charlotte has not officially announced who she's facing. She even teased on Raw that she would be facing a champion, and the rumor has it that she might not even be challenging for the Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship, but rather going the route Of NXT which certainly would be a fun little treat I wouldn't mind seeing Charlotte versus versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women or to the NXT Championship that would be certainly fun and and maybe it would certainly be different because that that's the big thing that I was like a little worried about was you have already seen Charlotte versus Becky you've already seen Charlotte versus Bailey. there's no real there's no interest in seeing that match again but Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley hmm that could be a little bit different but anyway uh, moving on, we saw in women's match action, Bayley defeating Lacey Evans to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. Unfortunately, really wasn't a huge, big victory on that one. Shortest match of the entire evening, actually, believe it or not. However, the best singles males match that we had, which weren't that many, the best singles match, in my opinion, of the evening was certainly Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan in the strap match for the Universal title. As I said before numerous times here on the show, the Wyatt-Bryan rivalry is probably the best one the fiend's had so far and i still stand by this to, the, to this day that the fiend versus daniel bryan is the best rivalry the fiend has had so far and this matchup was a great culmination of all that beautiful psychology great storytelling visuals action intensity there was even a moment where daniel bryan had the Lebel lock with a strap over the fiend's mouth and the other part of it was and i even mentioned this on the review the the big thing for me is that it showed that the fiend is not perfect we saw the little uh damage that the fiend got in the hell in the cell match against seth rollins a few months ago but this showed chinks in the armor this showed that the fiend is not you know untouchable and i liked that a lot i liked a lot about that and i think that was one of the reasons why i like the, the match was so good great build going into it great action did not disappoint in my opinion Brian and Wyatt were the the match of the night for the Rumble. No questions asked. Amazing, amazing matchup. Becky also having redemption against Asuka, successfully retaining the Women's Championship, the Raw Women's Championship. And again, similar to um, Brian and Wyatt, great storytelling. Wasn't the greatest built up, but I I love that the commentating team was definitely pushing the redemption on it. Becky uh, was beaten by Asuka last year at the Rumble. Things have changed. Asuka's had Becky's number. I love the the storytelling going into that one. And it sort of needed to happen. It was very well done. Uh, better matchup than Lacey versus Bailey in my opinion. Not the greatest match we've seen the two between the two women. Uh, but certainly a the best women's match in my opinion of the evening was Becky versus Asuka. Not really, again, surprised there. Becky having so much momentum. She's probably gonna hold on to that belt until WrestleMania. But The the main event, the Men's Rumble. Now, this had a lot of emotions going into it. We had several men taken in and out of the Rumble match. We found out Rusev and Bobby Lashley got taken out due to a parking lot brawl. Uh, We had Lesnar just dominating the beginning of the thing, taking out everyone and their mother. The first 13 participants in the Rumble, aside from Lesnar, of course, were taken out by Brock Lesnar. And I loved everything about that, tying the record for most eliminations. But unfortunately, it was the eventual winner of the men's Rumble, Drew McIntyre, which I'm so happy he won, uh, ended up booting him out, getting one of the biggest reactions of the evening. I say one of because there was another one that was just a bit more. Uh, Of course, Styles was unfortunately injured. AJ Styles was on the receiving end of a spear, landing on his shoulder. We have not heard any official statement as far as the severity of his injury, But AJ Styles, unfortunately, taken out uh, a little earlier in the Rumble match than expected. But of course, the big one that everyone's talking about, the Rated-R Superstar, the 11-time, I could be wrong about that, world champion and Hall of Famer Edge made his return after months and speculations of his rumored return to wrestling. He did make his return, making it down to the final three between himself, Roman Reigns, and Drew McIntyre. But ultimately, it was the Scottish one himself that would throw Roman Reigns over the top, and secure his spot at Wrestlemania. Uh, I think that the Royal Rumble pay-per-view itself was very good. I actually enjoyed it as much as, you know, at first I was kind of a little iffy about it. It was kind of on the fence. But going back and re-watching and getting ready for the show this week, I think that it was a definite, um, a definite improvement. There were things that I wasn't huge on. And I, I don't say there, was a, it was a, there were bad matches but there were just moments and things that I just wasn't huge on myself. The False Count Anywhere was still fun. Bailey and Evans wasn't my cup of tea, but it was still a very solid women's matchup. Wyatt and Bryan was awesome. Men's Rumble was awesome. The women's certainly invoked some 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 enthusiasm and reactions, that's for sure. But I think as a, as a plus, the Royal Rumble was a very good pay-per-view, one I would definitely recommend again. And man, the road to WrestleMania is certainly going to be a bumpy run, as we found out on last week's Raw. Coming at you from the at and Center in San Antonio, Antonio, Texas, one that I'm actually very familiar with. Uh, I've actually been in that arena myself. If you haven't seen it, if you go watch the Raw After WrestleMania 32, you should see a giant okay vape sign. It's a little just fun note there. Um, the Raw for AT&T and Center in San Antonio had a lot of things coming out of the Royal Rumble. We did see Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy retain the Raw Tag Team titles against Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens. Of course, continuing their rivalry coming off of the Rumble where Rollins and his uh, goons henchmen helped eliminate Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens from the Royal Rumble match. I am curious to see where things go from here, but unfortunately, it does seem like Samoa Joe does have a concussion. There was reports that Joe might be injured for a while, which is very unfortunate because Joe just came back, and I want to see him back in action as soon as possible, so fingers crossed. Uh, Drew McIntyre did officially confirm that he will challenge the Beast Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. After defeating the OC in a relatively quick handicap match, Brock didn't waste too much time delivering a beautiful f5 to the 2020 men's royal rumble winner i'm telling you i love the idea that, that drew won the uh, the rumble not just because it wasn't roman reigns but as i've said before the fact that someone new is on the top of the scene you know mcintyre has been kind of te- teased and kind of danced around the title picture but this is a huge opportunity for him and i'm really looking forward and i kind of hope he wins you know I, I do like me some brock but i really hope mcintyre wins the belt but either way I'm looking forward to the match. The match is going to be so brutal and stiff, and I can't wait. It's also crazy to see McIntyre and Lesnar, like, almost the same height. It was just weird to me at the Rumble. But either way, looking forward to it. I want to see how the build goes. Uh, Andrade Sienalmas successfully retained his U.S. title once again against Humberto Carrillo. However, Humberto won via disqualification thanks to some interference from Selena Vega. But, however, Humberto decided to lay a beautiful hammerlock DDT on the concrete to Andrade, seemingly taking him out be probably for about 30 days or so. Unfortunately, it was reported that Andrade with, has been suspended for wellness policy violation for 30 days. And it seems right now that they're not going to be stripping him of the. US title, uh, hence why they did that ending, or at least that's presumed why they did that ending. But time will tell. I think that's kind of a bit of a detriment unfortunately, because with Andrade um, you know with, with Brock being kind of a sparing champion and we pretty much have a WrestleMania main event, The U.S. title was kind of seemingly to be like the the target for, you know, the next big program, although you do have the Rollins thing I just mentioned earlier. So I think it's just bad timing, but... You know, we'll, we'll see how things pan out right before WrestleMania season, so 30 days from now. Um, we, like I mentioned before, Charlotte teasing she will face a champion, but we still don't know who that white will be yet. We did see a fun little exchange of the 24-7 championship between Truth and Mojo Rawley. I'm just glad they're actually doing something with the belt now. I mean, again, I still feel like kind of jumped the shark a little bit with the tr- with 24-7 title uh, after the um, Drake Maverick stuff, which is still gold in my opinion. But I, I feel like they're, they're kind of... There's not much left they can do with the 24-7 title. They need to kind of freshen things up a little bit. But, hey, Mojo, somebody different, there could be some fun with that. Uh, But, of course, the main thing that everyone was talking about from the main segment of Raw was the Edge Orton segment. So Edge coming back, announcing he is back in wrestling, and he wants to go on a fun little ride. It was a great speech. Definitely recommend you go check out the playback. But Randy Orton, who was eliminated by Edge in the Rumble, uh, was teasing and, trying to maybe convince Edge and everybody else that Rated RKO should come back as a tag team. But we all know it probably wasn't going to last, and it didn't, because Orton just dropped Edge on an RKO at the drop of a dime. Now, the interesting thing about this was Orton actually teased possibly stomping Edge's head in a steel chair, then changed his mind, only to come back with a one-man concerto. But I really recommend you go back and watch the segment because I'll say this right now, the Edge-Orton segment at the end of Raw this past Monday was probably one of the best Raw endings I've seen in a long time. It wasn't just because of who was involved. Edge is known for being a great psychologist. Orton is great at being a heel. You putting those two guys together is going to be magic. The big thing I liked about it was they let the emotions breathe. There There was no commentary after Orton RKO'd Edge. To my knowledge, there was none. It was just quiet, and they just let the moment roll out. And sometimes less is more, and I really loved how they just let the, the weight of what happened, the weight of what you just saw take place. And that, to me, is what, what made that moment so great, and that's what made it so great to see that happen and make me really look forward to seeing Orton versus Edge. Uh, presumably, we're going to get these two at WrestleMania. There was rumblings we might get Orton, uh, excuse me, uh, Edge versus Styles. But considering AJ Styles' shoulder injury, it seems that's going to be put on the back burner at least for now. But either way, that is a hell of a way to get things kicked off with that. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, awesome uh, Awesome ending to Raw. Just throwing that out there right there right now. Hey everyone, don't forget the amazing action that you can still order right now on Fight TV, including NWA Hard Times. Go back and witness the awesome history of the National Wrestling Alliance, including Nick Aldis versus Flip Gordon, Aaron Stevens defending the NWA National Championship, the NWA World Tag Team titles, and of course the return of the NWA TV title in a huge one-night tournament. Make sure you go order the replay right now on Fight. Also... Don't forget to order New Japan Pro Wrestling's The New Beginning Pay-Per-View coming at you February the 9th at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, featuring some of the greatest matchups from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, you've got the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Title Match, Jay White versus Sonata, John Moxley defending the IWGP United States Championship against Minoru Suzuki, and your awesome main event of the IWGP Heavyweight and IC titles both on the line as Tetsuya Naito takes on Kenta. So make sure you check out this and all the other amazing action coming at you on Facebook. Uh, but let's switch gears over real quick to nwa power now at nwa power there really was a lot of just recapping of hard times but i did want to kind of go over a couple of quick bullet points and of course make sure you check out the replay of and of uh nwa power over on the youtube channel uh nwa youtube channel yes i hope i said that right Uh, We had Royce Isaac defeating Andre Goen in a singles matchup. And then we had a very interesting uh, follow-up with Ricky Starks and the television championship. Apparently, NWA is implementing a lucky seven rule, where essentially, Ricky Starks must successfully defend the NWA television championship seven times. If he is able to do so, he will get a shot at the NWA World Championship. I love everything about that. Because not only are you going to guarantee get a championship match almost every NWA power, which seems to make sense because you are a television champion and they're in a television studio, it's going to make Ricky Starks become almost an instant star overnight, and it's going to give you some quality matches and a reason why every title defense is important aside from just having the title. Granted, there's no disrespect in being the TV champion. It's a very prestigious, important championship. The likes of Steve Austin, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, uh... Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Dusty Rhodes have held that belt. But now there's even more on the line. Lucky Seven, you hold onto that belt seven times, you defend successfully seven times, you get a shot at the 10 pounds of gold. Love the concept. And Stark seems to be off on a, star, on a, on a very strong note, as he did defeat Zicky Dice in singles action to retain the championship, so we can only go up from here. Speaking of Eli Drake and James Storm as tag team champions, we did see an interesting confrontation with them against the national champion Aaron Stevens and question mark, possibly new tag team challengers. But the big one I wanted to talk about was the Marty Scurll-Nick Aldis interview slash confrontation. I'm going to be paraphrasing this, obviously, but once again, I recommend you go watching it because it was probably one of the most well-spoken, well-done interview confrontations in a wrestling program I've seen in a while. The emotion that you could feel from them, from both of them, and the genuine just, it felt so real and it felt so well done. I, I really can't stress that you need to go check it out. Um, but essentially, this was going over their history, uh, how Marty's getting in his face about this, and Marty, of course, mentioning how he's never won the big one, but he knows he can beat Nick Aldous. And Aldous says, fine, I'll give you a shot at the NWA World Championship one more time at the Crockett Cup 2020. But the stipulation is, if you lose, because you're all about the money, Marty, right? It's all about the money. But if you lose, you have to refund every paying person's ticket if you lose. Put your money where your mouth is. And that you have to watch the interview and you have to watch the segment to understand the gravity of that stipulation. But it's such a unique one that I've never seen before in wrestling and one that really fits the dynamic of this rivalry. It's so different, I love it, because when you, when you hear about wrestling stipulations, right, most of the time fans, or at least you know, hardcore fans, can kind of put together where they're going to go with this. The stipulations going to lean one way or the other. If, if it was a stipulation, for example, that Marty would uh, you know, never get a shot at the 10 pounds of gold again, or if, or if this or that, you know you think to yourself okay well there's no way they're going to do x y and z because of, of these things i mean granted wrestling storylines you can re, you know redo or undo anything but i think you get my idea but with this one it's so different and unique that it just really makes you scratch your head and go well, what 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 could they do with this how could this go about this could be very interesting and i i think that those two are going to put on a great match they put a great match on last year the rivalry the friendship the the relationship they have I'm loving it. I am 100% invested in this, and I cannot wait for Marty Scurll and Nick Aldis to, presumably, at the Crockett Cup. But we'll see how that plays out. Uh, But, of course, I want to take this quick moment to also remind you guys about our Patreon page, patreon.com slash okfabe. You guys can get a ton of cool bonus stuff. You guys can sign up. You can get access to the Random Wrestling Podcast early. You can get exclusives you won't get anywhere else, like retro classic paper reviews and even monthly discussion topics on random wrestling stuff that I don't talk about on the Random Wrestling Podcast. Plus, you get early access to the Wrestling Retrospective, which is, of course, my series I do with my friend Jake DeMarco as we deep dive into a wrestler's career and exclusive Q&As. You're not going to get anywhere else. So you want to check that out and help support the content and get some bonus stuff in the meantime, head over to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Or if you want some cool-looking swaggy merch like the one I'm wearing right now, you can also check out our store over at represent.com slash store slash okfabe and get yourself some designer merch. And trust me, if you get some and you're wearing it, make sure you tag me on social media so I can send it out to the masses. So make sure you check out both of those links uh, available also on okfabe.com. But let's wrap these up as far as these recaps real quick. Let's start with NXT, of course, coming off of Worlds Collide. Full Sail University had some really interesting matches. Finn Balor successfully defeating Trent Seven in singles action, of course, uh, attacking him in the parking lot after some interesting confrontation coming off of Worlds Collide. Uh, We did see Finn Balor trying to jump Gargano and Mustache Mountain trying to, you know, break things up. So there's a little bit of tension still there. But awesome match between Seven and Balor. Loving, I'm loving heel Finn Balor. Absolutely loving it. Shotzi Blackheart, coming down to the ring in a tank. I'm not making that up. Go watch the entrance. Defeating Deanna Perrazzo in a very awesome singles matchup for the women's. Uh, she came down in a tank. I instantly love Shotzi Blackheart. I knew of her, obviously, before on the indie scene, but this just made me love her that much more. Uh, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic. I always screw up his last name. Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic. No, Dijakovic. Dijakovic, that's it. I keep screwing up the last name. i got to get that right. Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest having a little bit of an interesting little tiffle of war of words as we possibly see the new challengers for the North American Championship. We did see Dijakovic defeat Priest in singles action, a very solid matchup. Really makes me remind me why I loved Dominic so much. Great guy to see on the indie scene, of course, up here in New England. Greater to see him in NXT, and I can't wait. Give me Lee and Dominic one more time for that North American title. We did see some more buildup in the Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole. Bebe, rivalry for NXT TakeOver Portland, as we did see that, uh, well, <laughs> Champa decided to take it on himself to wipe out the rest of the Undisputed Era. So as it so stands, William Regal was going to give Adam Cole his chance to challenge who he wanted for the championship, but it didn't take long as, of course, well, Ciampa waiting in the ring with a table and put Cole right through it. So presumably, we're getting a tables match between Tommaso Champa and Adam Cole, Bebe, for the NXT Championship at NXT TakeOver Portland in February. Looking forward to that. You know those two are gonna tear the house down. I mean, so far we got Balor and uh, Gargano. We got Champa and Cole. North American title, tag team titles. It's gonna be a very awesome. Oh, and then of course Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley for the women's championship. Holy cow! Portland's looking great. Um, speaking of women, we had Tegan Nox defeat Dakota Kai in singles action. Loving the rivalry they're doing here with the intensity, with the knee brace and everything. Even William Regal stepping in involved and kind of reprimanding a little bit. But it's, uh, it's again, slow, gradual build. And I'm loving the way they're doing a slow, gradual build with this. It's awesome. I'm really looking forward to what they've got going on with this. We had Caden Carter defeat Chelsea Green. In an unfortunate match for Chelsea Green, as this was her NXT full-sale debut in singles action. Robert Stone was not too thrilled about this either, but cool to see Kaden Carter getting a victory. Just wasn't Chelsea Green's night. I'm, I'm sorry, Robert Stone, I'm sorry. But finally, the main event, an amazing tag team action, as we saw Riddle and Pete, the broserweights, defeat the grizzled young veterans, thus winning the finals in the Dusty Classic. Oh, sorry, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, thus locking in their tag team title shot against the Undisputed Era at, at uh, NXT TakeOver Portland. I can't do it justice. The tag team match was absolutely insane. And honestly, you know, no disrespect to the previous tournaments, this might be the best Dusty Tag Team Classic they've done so far. I cannot remember looking, like, thinking back in my notes of a bad match in this tournament. Like, honestly, they've all been great. So kudos to everybody involved with that one. I mean, absolutely phenomenal match. Go watch it if you haven't, please. And uh, congrats to the Broserweights. I have a little worry that... the weights aren't going to last, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll see Dunn versus Matt Riddle in the future. Woo-hoo, that would be fun. But let's switch gears over to the other company. Of course, we're talking AEW Dynamite. Wollstone Center, I hope I'm saying that right, in Cleveland, Ohio, had some very interesting moments as we kicked off things off with a John Moxley-Chris Jericho confrontation with, of course, the renegade Jack Sparrow, John Moxley, saying that it's his destiny he needs to power through, and, and the ultimate goal for him is to win that AEW World Championship. And truth be told, I think the war the, the war, war, of words, easy for me to say, uh, was very well done between these two guys. It was just the right amount, not really much a lot of physical confrontation, although we would get some a little later on in the evening. But just enough to kind of build things up, and we do know that we're going to get Moxley and Ortiz from the Inner Circle next week on AEW Dynamite. We did see the Young Bucks in tag team action against the Butcher and the Blade with, of course, MJF, the best part of, of AEW, on commentary the entire time. I do love the relationship between MJF and the Butcher and the Blade. I think that that is a smart move because even though you have Wardlow with him as his muscle, having a tag team involved just make it gives MJF a bigger presence of him being a bigger star. So I just I I thought that was very awesome. So uh, kudos to him on that. Kudos to the Bucks to actually getting a tag team victory uh, here on Dynamite. And I loved how later on. In the evening, backstage, we catch up with the Bucks after the match, and we still teasing some tension with Omega and uh, Hangman Adam Page, going into you know uh, we, we know they're going to eventually fight for the tag team titles. We we know that's pretty much going to happen at this point, but it's interesting that they're again planting seeds, a little tension, even like showing off the name plates. I just thought that was very clever and just little little things like that. You know what I mean? Little things like that. Uh, Big Swole, unfortunately, was defeated by Nyla Rose in singles action. And uh, sorry to say, once again, women's matchup in this one was not particularly my favorite. A couple botches here and there, at least presumably looked like it. Wasn't huge, um, but uh, not the last thing we'd see from the women because there is something else I want to talk about with the women's a little bit later on. Uh, We did see Cody going up against Kip Sabian in singles action. I did love the little touch with Arn Anderson uh, having a clipboard, presumably doing some scouting. Uh, during Cody's match which I thought was very clever so maybe there's more alliances and allegiances going on who knows but great showcasing of Kip Sabian awesome match Uh, probably one of my favorites of the entire evening we did see Britt Baker I told you we weren't done with the women yet we saw Britt Baker uh, getting up in Tony Schiavone's face in an interview up on the stage of course she didn't take too many more shots at Tony Schiavone not even calling him a barista anymore but rather taking shots at JR which uh... tough room indeed uh, we did see SCU defeating the hybrid in tag team action. What I really liked was afterwards, once again, we heard from the Dark Order. Dark Order basically saying that listen, the the higher power uh, is not happy with with Christopher Daniels and may even start targeting his family and friends. A lot of rumor and speculation over who this higher person is or the you know the the the, the one behind the Dark Order. I kind of hope they tease us a little bit more, but. I'm still digging it. I kind of hope it is Daniels. You know what I mean? Like, I really kind of hope it is. But we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Pac, of course, warns John Moxley about taking on the inner circle and that it's only a matter of time before things him, go for him pretty badly. But also targeting Paige and Omega, saying he's not done with them and apparently don't have time for him this week. But this time he's going to be back and he's going to be coming for blood. I love Pac's promos, and I just love how he never seems to be wearing anything other than a wrestling attire, at least from what I've seen him in. Even in promos, he's just wearing wrestling attire. But there's an intensity about him that just... Gets me scared about him easily. Even if he's outside getting a cold and coughing, like you did in this promo. It's just, I, he's a man I do not, never want to mess with. ever. In the main event, we saw a trios match. The Inner Circle's Jericho Ortiz and Santana taking on Private Party. I don't know why I said it like that. And Darbin Alley, uh, awesome trios match with Inner Circle getting the victory. We saw a post-heel beatdown, but of course, Moxley coming in with a baseball bat. Of course, not like Sting, but, you know, Close like Sting, because he yeah, had a uh, bat. Trying to come in and make the save for the babyfaces. Uh, Dynamite was awesome this week. We did solidify, of course, the main event with Moxie versus Jericho. And we saw some other rivalries kind of building into, of course, we know Cody and MJF. I think it's smart for them to keep them as, as separate as they can right now. Cody giving a chance to showcase some talent, while MJF may be getting involved more with the Butcher and the Bunny. Or, sorry, the Butcher, Blade, and Bunny. Uh, the women's division, like I mentioned before, is unfortunately... The thing they really need to improve upon the most. Uh, Britt was fun. I love her new heel persona, where she's just you know ripping on everyone. Uh, tag team scenes pretty strong. A very decent AEW Dynamite, not the best one they've done but still a fun treat nonetheless. Speaking of fun treats, we're going to switch things over to the audio segment. Of course, I had a lovely chance to speak with the lovely Alicia Atout over from MLW. She's the interview queen herself, and it was great catching up with her, talking about uh, all sorts of things, from how she got involved in wrestling to her interviewing, uh, interviewing skills, uh, tips, tricks, MLW itself, wrestling in general, and I can't wait to talk about this from the home studio. So let's switch it over to that interview with Alicia Atout. What's going on, everybody? Is yours truly, Connor, aka OK Fabe here. And I am joined by the interview queen herself. She's also a host announcer for Major League Wrestling. And I'm getting paranoid because I want to make sure I pronounced her name correctly because I know that is something that everyone tends to do. Alicia Toot, I hope I said that right.
1: You just rocked that intro. Hello, yes. hello. <laughs> Thank awesome. you so much for having me
0: on. <laughs> hey, my, it is my pleasure. And it, it's, it's actually kind of, I was kind of like befuddled, like, wow. Alicia is actually able to, you know, sit down and do an interview with, you know, humble little old me. I know you like we were just talking about before we got on here. You are a very busy person. You just uh do I feel like I I always see you on social media like always involved with something. I know you said that's part of being your own boss.
1: Yeah, it gets really hectic. There aren't a ton of days off. There really aren't any days off because your phone is the thing that controls it all. I do all my social media, I handle all of my emails, I coordinate all the interviews, I talk with talent, my bookings. So It's one of those things where it just never it never stops, you know,
0: Oh, I I can only imagine. I mean, I know I I do a lot of stuff just doing this show, but you're like out there, you're traveling, you're doing this, you're doing conventions, you're doing shows. I mean, it's just I can only imagine how many frequent flyer miles you've already racked up in the short amount of time you've been doing this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really hectic it's really busy but at the same time I get to travel I get to explore new places meet cool people eat lots of awesome food and shop in different (sighs) places like it's that's the that's honestly the best part it's like Uh. the traveling and and the eating and the, the time with friends like it's it's really cool so yes it's a lot of work but at the same time you have to try to find the balance and enjoy all the little things um along the way
0: Absolutely. I'm jealous of you just when you mentioned the word food. I'm like, oh, that does sound really, really good. Um, with uh, So I, I guess the, the a couple of questions I want to ask obviously pertains to your wrestling stuff, but you were kind of already doing interviews in like the music world beforehand. You even started your own website. Is that right?
1: Yes, this all kicked off because I had my own website. And because of that, um, I've been very, very lucky that a lot of really cool opportunities have come my way. Um, it started off with me only doing music stuff since I was about 17 years old. And that got to a point where it was actually fairly successful. Um, I interviewed a lot of big bands, a lot of radio artists, uh, legendary groups. And then my dad said, hey, you have this fan base already. You have this channel that's growing. Why don't you try to interview wrestlers? It's a whole new market. Why don't you give it a shot? And I was like, all right. Like i I'm been a wrestling fan since I was a kid. I was like, you know, dad's usually right. Let's like give this a shot. And, um, so I tried it, and it ended up working out amazingly. Obviously, <laughs> taking taking that taking that little gamble there, right. and um, that's kind of how it all came around. It was very organic. I never expected any of this because my site was a hobby, and then it turned into something like somewhat successful. So it's yeah, it's been a whirlwind. I never expected.
0: Would you say there was, I mean, you know, a lot of people do tend to compare the wrestling world with like, you know, some some aspects of like the music and the entertainment because it is all kind of in the same similar bubble. But as far as like your experiences at first when you were interviewing wrestlers, did you find it very similar to doing it with what you were doing with music or different or a a little bit of both?
1: It's a little bit of both. I feel like it's similar because at the end of the day, you're just sitting down with somebody shooting the breeze, asking them questions, and in the end trying to have, like, a fun time. But then at the same time, uh, it it is a little different because when it comes to music, you have to ask and focus on different things, and the chain of command is super different. And when it comes to wrestling, there are other things you're trying to put over and focus on. So it's kind of tricky the, the differences but at the same time I try to just narrow it down to okay this person is your you know your, your subject for the next 10-15 minutes and right. uh, you just you just got to talk to them and not really see whether like whichever industry you're in.
0: Was there ever like anything intimidating whether it be like a specific person or just uh like being in like a certain venue or was there any moment where you're just like oh man this is I know I've been doing this for a while but like oh man I, I don't butterflies in the stomach and everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when I was doing wrestling stuff, about like three months only into doing wrestling interviews, I got to host interviews with The Bucks, Cody Rose, and Kenny Omega. So I almost like shat myself going into that. I was like, like, oh God, I'm so new at this. And yes, I had been interviewing for like three years prior to that, sure. But it is a whole other world and you're almost – yes I have like the fan base I had but you're almost starting from scratch in regards to credibility and respect and you don't you don't know these people yet yeah. so um, I was very nervous for those interviews and then after those ones um, I mean there are a lot of the legends I was nervous for like I, I got to host shows for um, Dustin Rhodes and Mick Foley which was really cool along with Interviewing them for my site, so those are moments where you're like, oh gosh, they've been interviewed by like thousands of people for how many decades? Like, you gotta make sure you stand out. And luckily, I think you know, in the end, I did. So, it's all that kind of stuff. It's um, well, I
0: mean, it's 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 crazy. Well, I mean, you're the interview queen for a reason. I think your reputation, obviously, showcased in the in the talent that you're able to. Uh, you know, when it comes to the interviewing stuff and, you know, speaking of which for someone who for myself, anyway, I'm still getting into it because you're probably like, maybe my fifth interview I've ever done on this show or other platforms. Um, and I do have some questions that I kind of am going to segue in from other people who wanted to know uh, what tour, what type of advice would you have as far as that? Was there something that you picked up? when you were interviewing in the music world that you carried over or were there things that you learned? I guess, you know, generally speaking, what are some of the big takeaways you got from, I guess, the interviewing process in general, whether it's music or wrestling or, or a mix of everything?
1: A big part of it, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been talking. I just did like three interviews from my site, so my voice is already <laughs> going. Um, sorry about that. No, no that's I all good. The biggest takeaways is, yes, you could be interviewing a rock star with millions of followers or a wrestler with millions. Or you could be in a room like some indie person, which is awesome, from either industry. But what you really gotta take away is whoever's in front of you, they are a person and that's what it comes down to. Right. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if they're famous, if they're not famous, to just sit down with them, treat them as a human being, and have fun. Like I used to go into these interviews and read off my cards and just be this like nervous 17 year old wreck and like, you know, you, you learn. And I was naive as to how to approach it. And now I just go in there. I know my questions. I have them written down sometimes because sometimes I'm doing like 20 interviews in a day and just, right. just to like keep stuff in check. But um, just go in there wanting to have a good time and make everyone feel comfortable, know your stuff, do your research, like just mm-hmm. go in there as an authority and then you'll most likely knock it out of the park. Um, I just like having fun with these things. That's, that's the thing that keeps me doing this. So I'd I have to say that's probably the best advice I could get. And don't don't, don't let trolls get to you because there are so many. Oh, yeah. And the more successful you get, the even more are going to come your way. I'm so just starting
0: to-, to get that now. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess oh, I sort of made it now, I guess. I don't know, but
1: They suck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I don't think everyone's like yay trolls, but I guess it sounded kind of like a badge of endearance. But yeah, I, I get your point on that. With um, I know you were mentioning earlier the the Omega and the Bucks are kind of like the you know it sounded like one of the biggest ones. Were they your favorites as far as your your top interviews, or was there somebody? I know it's hard to pick and choose because you've interviewed so many different types of people. But is there any any that particular come to mind, whether it be the person or just the way you felt it went or how deep the interview went? Like any particular favorites that stick out to you?
1: Um, I mean, those are definitely some just because of the sentiment like that. Those interviews, I feel like were the reason I was able to work all in and work double or nothing because I feel Mm -hmm. like I made a good impression on those guys. So just from like a significant standpoint, those really mean a lot to me. But as far as just like cool ones, people I always love talking to, like I am so, so so happy anytime I get to chat with the Bullet Club, like whether it's having Tama on or Jay White, and now like I'm hosting the Bullet Club beach party in April during Mania weekend in Tampa. Like it's just they they really brought me in like a, a member of the club, a member of their little family or huge family, I should say. Right. So. Um, so I, I really enjoy any time I get to have those guys on. They're just they're so fun and, and sweet, and so that's always really a joy. Um, Jericho was really cool for me the couple times I had him on, since he was one of my favorites as a kid. So it's hard, like it changes day to day. Like Foley was the first wrestling match I remember watching, so that was super super cool. It's I'm I'm all over the place. I'm a bit of a mess when it comes to my favorites because it changes from day to day. It changes right. from. What programs you're watching? If you're reminiscing that day, like it's kind of, it's weird, but
0: yeah, well, I can imagine. I, being I love fall. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. it. Must be hard, especially like I said, you've you've interviewed so many, and there's you know different people for different reasons. Uh, I know you mentioned earlier, just a moment ago, that Foley was one of the first ones you watched. Is that like, was that for you? Um, uh, was his is his match like the first one that really like whoa, okay I gotta let's see what this wrestling thing is about and then you know most of us fans we we start with something and just it's All invested in from there was was he the first like person or match that really got you invested into wrestling?
1: Absolutely, when I was about three or four um, is when I started like focusing on wrestling I think I started watching it when I was like two, but I don't really remember so my the first thing I really remember was watching hell in a cell and I was so young, but I was so captivated by this like big burly dude with the crazy curly hair and his attire. And then when he falls and he has his tooth in his nose, like all these little snippets didn't freak me out because like growing up, I watched a bunch of like, st- like I was into comic books and all that kind of stuff. So I remember seeing that like, oh my gosh, this is like real life superheroes. This is awesome. So, um, it just, it stuck with me. And I remember thinking like, what a badass he is. I want to watch more of this <laughs> and learn to like, what is this wrestling? And then once you actually get into the business, you start finding and discovering all these little things from when you weren't in in the industry. You're like, oh my gosh, wait, so this is this and that's that? What are you talking about? So um, he definitely got me into it and I'm very thankful. And that's why whenever I talk about him, I get so enthusiastic because the fact that he gave me the opportunity to host his shows um, not once but twice and sign beside him, like he he is such a wonderful human being. So, um shout out Nick Foley. You're awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he is indeed. I've I've had a chance to meet with him like once or twice and he's just uh such a true sweetheart. And it's really juxtaposed to see like that match that you're referring to, like he like pretty much broke himself in any human way possible and yet he's the sweetest, nicest person on the planet. It's just it's so weird to see that, but it's a, it's so cool at the same time. When um but of course the the big piece that I mean, it's only a couple of months old. You've just signed with MLW and I I can hear we were talking about a little bit earlier about like the enthusiasm of pro wrestling and I was listening to some of your stuff earlier when you were like when the announcements came out that you were signed. I I can't I mean this might be a dumb question. How excited were you when that came about?
1: I'll never get tired of talking about my excitement. <laughs> so that's not a dumb question at all. No, awesome. it's it's thrilling. Um I never thought that I would be signed anywhere, yet alone like a multi-year deal with a company. And the fact that I got to do a lot of really cool freelance stuff, and I, st- I still still get to do like tons of indie shows, conventions. Like they give me some amazing range when it comes to that stuff. But um, the fact that they approached me and everything just felt right, the first tapings I did with them went so flawlessly. And like I'm not just like blowing smoke. Like I didn't have one complaint from the entire – experience I had with them um it actually exceeded my expectations which doesn't really happen much when it comes to wrestling shows like I'm trying gonna be honest so um Great. I felt like I made such a good decision I remember staring at that paper for like 30 minutes before signing that contract and uh that digital piece of paper <laughs> I remember looking <laughs> at it and being like oh my gosh this is huge like this is crazy the fact that I found somewhere I can call my home the fact that I'll have like a place with some stability and that's like hustling like crazy they're passionate um I just, I'm so, so thrilled that it all worked out. You never know if anyone's going to approach you if any, like, you know, people care, but you don't know how, if they care, like right, how much right. they care. And they really showed me they they care and they want me there. And I love the locker room. It just, it's a really good fit. I'm, I'm so happy there.
0: Now, was that in your mind before all that? I mean, obviously you had some, some great successes, like you mentioned with like the Bullet Club. And then, like you said, you're hosting uh, the Bullet Club party in Tampa during Mania weekend this week, uh, this year. But before being signed to MLW, I know you didn't, like, you know, impact in here and there. Was that the goal to ultimately, like, be signed somewhere or just kind of, like, let's see where this wrestling thing goes and just kind of, you know, you're having a blast. You're having some great interviews. You're meeting some incredible people. Was it just like, oh, let's just see where this goes? Or was that, like, ultimately, like, yeah, I definitely want to be signed somewhere and call somewhere a home?
1: I'm, like, a very fickle person when it comes to goals because I set out goals, like, every single day. But at the same time, I hate setting goals because I (laughs) – I never like not knowing like when you're going to achieve them. It's, n- it's never, a, oh, am I going to fail at it? Because if you fail, you learn. Right. Like I'm not really scared. I'm not really scared of failure anymore because I've been given so many no's. Like I've learned all it takes is one yes and, you know, cool stuff can happen. But yeah, like, true. man, I'm really, I'm always like, ah, oh, I don't want to even set this goal or should I just go with the flow and see what happens here? So I think in the back of my mind, I thought it would be awesome to have a place to call home. I thought it would be really cool to kind of hunker down and be able to just. Promote it, wear their merch, like be like, "This is where I am, yay!" And yeah. um, I think once it actually happened, I realized, like, "Yeah, this is this was definitely a goal. You just didn't want to set that goal in case it took forever, you <laughs> right. know?" No, it's, so, yeah, um, I got you. Yeah, and I've only been doing wrestling stuff for what three, two and a half, three years now. Wow. So for it to come this quickly, and for people to see the hustle and the work I've put in, like it, it meant a lot that they you know, put their faith into me. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. I love talking about it. I'm just, I feel like it's like a a really good place to grow and to be.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the success that MLW has been having like just in the last year alone, uh, is huge. I've been watching some of their matches and getting ready for, you know, and I wish I had more time to sit down and watch it, but some of the stuff they were able to, uh, you know, pull off as far as their in-ring stuff has just been incredible. Um, with, you know, and and I hate saying this with, you know, you just said you do and don't like making goals, is there anything on like a checklist that you want to try to achieve while you're there in MLW? Or is there anything that you're like, oh, okay, maybe it'd be cool to maybe do this or maybe do that or anything spe- anything either specific or vague that comes to mind? Even if it's not with MLW, but just in wrestling in general. I mean, it's hard to top being signed by them. But is there anything else that you're like, oh, maybe this or that might, might be cool too?
1: Right. Um, well, one of the things I really wanted to do was more live promos. Um, we've, I've filmed promos in the back before that have gone live or straight to TV, but I've never, only once with, with Impact. Right. Um, when I did a Scarlett Bordeaux promo, um, did I actually go in front of the crowd and do something live? So going into MLW, they said how they were gonna rework a lot of segments and really try to make me one of the faces of the brand, which they've already done and I'm so grateful for. Uh, I wanna do more live in-ring stuff. And so far I've only done two tapings with them and I think I've done five in in-ring, in-ring segments already. Wow. <laughs> It's awesome. So um, that was a goal I wanted, and now it's you know already checked off. So it kind of just shows their efficiency and like how cool that is. Um, I feel like eventually I could be tied into some storylines, which could be really, really cool. Um, never wrestling, you know, not going to well, happen. <laughs> yeah. sort of maybe tied into stuff because they're very open creatively, and I, you never know what kind of role you can get thrown into. So I'm definitely open to, to almost everything aside from, some physical
0: contact. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, keeping that to a minimum. Is it? Is it like the idea of, like, just being able to see people's reactions and being, like, in the thick of things with the crowd? Is that why you like like, like being out in the ring more?
1: Yeah, it's just energy. I feel like... I'm not I'm not a performer like the wrestlers, but I am a performer where you go out there, you're still doing your thing, and, y- mm. you know, you get to play off of everybody. So I like the improv of it. I think the improv is super fun. And at the same time, you say something or you're, like, having a bit of back and forth or banter or you're bickering, and, like, you can hear the crowd's reaction. Or if you say something off the cuff that's funny, they'd laugh. Like, it makes you feel good, and it makes you feel like, yes, it's going to be such a good segment when it airs on TV. Right. So. I just it's a good feeling it, it's it's fun putting yourself out there and like if they like pop for you on your way down the the ramp like it's it's fun it's a it's another it's a whole other aspect of what I do, and I really enjoy it
0: so with i mean, you said yourself that you've also been to like tons of different like conventions and other shows uh, you got to experience uh the loveliness that was, you know, Starcast and how like how was that being in the thick of everything there cuz I'm not going to lie, I was jealous that I wasn't able to make it for, you know, I had other commitments at the time. But looking at it from a fan's perspective, man, that just looked like heaven. Starcast is
1: crazy. I've done four of them now, uh signing <laughs> at each one and every single time it gets like more and more hectic because as Starcast grows, the talent grows and the talent gets bigger and more successful. Right. Um so each time I go, it's like my fan base has grown and people are even more psyched. So, yeah, StarCast is crazy. And not only from a signing uh, or or talent, for lack of a better word, angle, but also as media. I get to, like, walk the floor, see tons of friends, vlog, like, crazy. So that's also a really awesome part of it, too, for me. So I, I love StarCast. Anytime they throw one, like, I always try to be there. And so far, I'm four for four. So we'll see uh, – what what's in the works if they have another one coming? But I'm I'm waiting here so-
0: from Conrad for the fifth one. Like I want to know when the fifth one's coming because I'm going to try my darnest to get down there for sure. Um, but with you, I mean, I I was checking in obviously your social media. Which if you haven't followed Alicia on social media, what are you doing? Go follow her on Instagram. Go follow her on Twitter. Go follow her <laughs> everywhere. Um, you were mentioning how like the traveling, and I already got hungry when you were mentioning the food. You the have been to a lot of amazing places, when, you know, wrestling or otherwise. What would you say is one of your favorite places that you visit? And again, it doesn't have to be like wrestling related or, you know, a wrestling venue. Favorite place you've visited so far and place that you haven't visited yet that you'd love to?
1: All right. So my favorite place that I've been because of my, my job is uh, I had the amazing opportunity of going to Finland. And um, this great festival, this rock festival called Rock Fest, um, they flew me out to do social media for them the entire weekend. And so I went down there and – Every single day it was just concert after concert for four days straight. I was in this little town of Havinka in uh, Finland. Havinka. And um, it was Mm -hmm. just a blast. I got to see Kiss, Death Leopard, Slipknot. I got to meet Kiss, which was, I'm wearing a Kiss shirt right now. Like it was amazing. And um, it was just one of the best experiences of my life knowing I'm in this foreign country because my uh, my job and my fan base and, you know, those numbers in a sense brought me there. It was just, it was surreal. Uh, So that was amazing. And as far as where I'd like to go, I really, really would love to go to the UK. And it's actually Mm. getting announced this week. Um, I'm really excited that I am going to be there um, in April. Yeah, I'm so stoked. Um, I've partnered up with Wrestling Travel, who I've done a bunch of stuff with before. They're a great company. And, yeah, they are flying me out to england i'm going to be in manchester and liverpool for something huge going on there and i just i cannot wait i am so psyched that dream is finally coming true
0: (laughs) man another goal achieved wow that's pretty awesome i i'm 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 super jealous just hearing about it, i can't wait i i have talked to the awesome people at wrestling travel before they put on a great product too so we got to give them some love on here too um, and I can't wait to see what that announcement is going to be about. Cannot wait. Um, Alicia, this has been great. I really appreciate the time talking with you and just chit chatting and catching the breeze. I know you are a very busy person. Um, so real quick, of course you can catch out Alicia on MLW. If you haven't watched major league wrestling, I don't know what's wrong with you. Some of the best wrestling out there mm-hmm. right now. And Alicia's there. So of course it's a win-win right there. You get great wrestling. And Alicia, was there anything else you wanted to tell the lovely people about what you got going on or where they can follow you and find you?
1: Honestly, if you guys just check out com. you'll find my YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like, my merch store, everything's on my official website, so check that out, if you see me at a show, please say hello, I love meeting anybody who, who supports me, or, or, or just wants to shoot the breeze about anything, like, it means so much that people care about what I'm doing, the fact you wanted to have me on your podcast is awesome, like, I remember when I started, and bands would give me a chance, when I, you know, was just beginning, and, like, hearing you, like, done, I think you mentioned, like, four or five of these like it's cool and it's great to see how well you're doing already so thank you just yeah you're welcome so you know if you guys knew of me before awesome and if you're just discovering me now hello welcome to my world I really hope you enjoyed what you heard and yeah just
0: thank you so much awesome thank you Alicia so very much of course All right, I want to thank again Alicia Atute for taking her time and uh, being here on the Random Wrestling Podcast. It was great a chance to talk to her. If you haven't followed her on social media, make sure you do so. At Alicia Atute on Twitter. Or, of course, like she said, check out her website for all her details. She does some great stuff. and It was very humbling to get a chance to talk to her. But... Enough to talking about her, talk about me, well, at least wrapping it up on this week's episode of the Random Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate the continued love and support. Make sure if you guys want in on the action, okfabe.com. You can also check us out on podcasting platforms and, of course, right here on Fight TV. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care, and as always, take it easy.